Alan Stone and Give You Blue. I don't know if that's got anything to do with uh, an emotional feeling at all, but <laughs> do those grey typing bubbles, you know, you know the ones, uh, do they stress you out? Or are you set into an anxious spiral with the response you get in a text? You know, that single letter of K to a response and you're like, what does that mean? Well, despite the convenience, if you're an anxious person, texting can feel like a particularly special circle of hell. We'll never feel... Dr. Joe Lukens is a psychology consultant and author. She's going to give you some tips on what to do if you are anxious when you text. G'day, Dr. Joe. Good morning, Jono. So what can we do if texting stresses us out? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because texting, I, I was doing a little bit of research into this and was surprised to see texting's been around for 25 years. So I think there's a little bit, we were talking before, there's a bit of a line in the sand about do you know life before texting or not? And well, one I of don't, it, you don't and I do. So, but anyway, so we can work out our ages from that but we certainly know that for a lot of people the challenge with text messaging because it's it's a, a shorthand way of communication and it feels a bit like a conversation so it feels like it needs to be immediate it feels like we should be responding backwards and forwards so it, it kind of becomes that breeding ground for miscommunication and, and causes a lot of anxiety for people so um, it's one of those things that isn't spoken about so much but it, it causes a lot of concern for a lot of people. It certainly does now one issue I can imagine would arise with this is the especially if you're speaking to a, a loved one for example or you've had an argument and you're trying to say sorry or set your scene and it could cut with your side of the story and it could come across as being either aggressive or uh, could be completely misinterpreted so that's a big problem with this there's no emotion with Texting. There's no emotion with texting. Well, there is emotion with texting, but it's the emotion that we place on it, which isn't always accurate, I think. And, and sometimes even a misplaced comma can make a message come unstuck. Or accidentally so, typing in capital letters. Or like, accidentally. Like my parents always do. Yes, the capital letters. <laughs> so we, we do know for people that, you know, depending upon how you phrase things and and what you what you were talking about there is what's what's the content of the conversation so if it's just a general you know working something out you know where will we go for coffee or what time will you be home that sort of thing you know that's something that works really well with text messages it's convenient and it's much quicker than a conversation but if it is those you know conversations of the heart or things that are important to us you know they really do warrant as much of the communication as you can that you know in our verbal conversations obviously you get tone of voice the pacing you can pick up a lot more information and we lose all of that um, through our through our text messaging what do they say it's about 70 or 80 percent of communication is non-verbal well it's certainly a large amount and, and and you're right there's there's debate as to exactly what it is but it's considerable that you know you can take one i often do this in workshops we'll take a single sentence and then you know phrase it in lots of different ways and, and you communicate very different messages according to even just the tone of voice or the speed at which something's said or, or exactly. w which word gets emphasised. The favourite of many English teachers is the word or is the phrase thank you very much can be interpreted in so many different ways. <laughs> it could be aggressive, it could be uh, sarcastic, it could be literally grateful like thank you so much, thank you very much or thank you very much was one thing that I was uh, terrified of when my uh, English teacher slammed the thing <laughs> on the table saying thank you very much. I was going to say, the, the slam's probably an indicator, isn't it? And, and you don't get, well, I guess the other thing, what we've replaced the, the, the slam on the desk and so forth, is we also include emojis often in text messages as well, which can communicate, it's an attempt to communicate emotions. But again, it's also an opportunity for things to get very complicated. The use of emojis as well have come into uh, texting and emails as well, but more prevalent in text messaging is... Uh, and also the use of uh, GIF images, which are moving images. 
Have they allowed some form of emotion or conveyance of emotion in text messages to come through? It's certainly the attempt of them. You know, that's it's it's another tool of communication, and maybe in some instances it probably helps in some ways. You know, um, but uh, you know, and you always see instances where people get things wrong, or they use they use inappropriate things, <laughs> or or whatever it is that might happen. But that's certainly the the intention of of those emojis that it helps to communicate the emotion. And and I think the fact that whenever you are I guess it's a sign to you that whenever you're using one of those, it's a sign that there's emotion in the content of the conversation. And maybe that's where you need to think about, is this really a text message or does this need to be another kind of conversation? Yeah, it certainly is quite easy to bump the wrong button or the wrong thing and press and send the wrong wrong emoji as well or the wrong letter, the wrong punctuation. You're hearing from Dr. Joe Lukens. You're listening to ABC North Queensland. It is 12 minutes to 11. Now, Dr. Joe, what can we do to relieve that anxious feeling we do get from text messaging? What are some of the tips we can do? Well, some of the things we can do is often there, for some people there's apprehension about when is the person going to reply back that because it feels like a conversation and we don't know what's happening at the other end of the phone for the other person. Um, so I think giving yourself breaks from your phone is an important thing to be able to do. That the, There's a do not disturb button on your phone and particularly if you're trying to get some work done, that's something to really think about because on average people touch their phone um, once once every um, 12 minutes or so and about 10% of the population (laughs) touch their phone every four minutes. So when you look at what happens if you're at work, um, it takes about 17 minutes, give or take, to really get engaged with and concentrate on a task. So if you're touching your phone every 12 minutes, the numbers actually don't add up. So it's really affecting your concentration um, and it really does distract you. So, you know, giving yourself breaks from your phone is an important thing to do. Keeping an eye on the emotional tone. If, you f- if you're feeling emotional as you're sending a text, then maybe take a breath, have a think about whether it's the message that you want to send. So some of those things and, and giving yourself the breaks, putting the phone away um, can be helpful things to um, alleviate some of the stress that can come with, with text messaging. And just speaking of the workplace as well, emails are quite prevalent as a formal commu- form of communication between not only colleagues but also clients and Everyone else in the community must be talking to with you in terms of work. But how does email? How does emailing compare with text messaging? Well, I I guess the key thing with with emailing is you've got a keyboard, so it's easier to, and it's quicker to put more words in. Um, so you know, again, I would say that e- there are times when there's an email conversation that would probably be better held as a actual real human to human conversation. So again. Always be mindful about the content that you're talking about. And if it's, if it's a, a highly emotive conversation, if it's an important discussion, then ha- think about having that conversation. It might be in a workplace that you then need to follow up with an email because you need a, you know, kind of a receipt of, of what the conversation's been about. But I do think that if we're a little bit more mindful about how we manage ourselves through these devices, because they are so convenient, they're literally within our arm's reach, but if we're a little bit more mindful about that, we manage our communication more effectively. What about if your phone is a huge part of your job? Then it's even more of a challenge, you know. So, And I think acknowledging that and realising that you might be someone who, you know, a, a, an obvious profession there would be sales, you mm. know, that, that you might spend a lot of time on the phone. So then I think it's really important that you schedule breaks and you look after yourself about finding times to be away from your phone. So that do not disturb function can be useful. And there was a really interesting study a couple of years ago that looked at the difference between what happens when you have a phone sitting on your desk 
that even if it's even if it's put on to do not disturb versus if it's sitting back in your briefcase or in your bag versus if it's out of the room and the mere presence of your phone it's almost like it's it's sitting on the desk calling to you so if your phone was was sitting next to you which I, I can see that it is but I'm assuming <laughs> that it's turned off but, but you know the the fact that when they're sitting there it's almost like it's saying you know Jono Jono you know pick me up and talk to me you know so <laughs> So they d- the, the mere presence of them is distracting for us. So we need to be mindful of that. Yeah, definitely in the journalistic and media environment, it is very important to have your phone, obviously to communicate with uh, with guests and or chase up leads and stories and that sort of thing. So it's quite a difficult thing for any journalist, I suppose, to be uh, to keep themselves away from their phone, constantly looking at the news cycle. Absolutely. It's, it's a vital tool to allow you to do what you do. And so that's why it's really important to find the times when it's really important to give yourself a break from it. Um, and to and to be looking after yourself and, 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 and for the people around you as well. And also distracting yourself. What are the best methods to... Because you can be sitting at home or and you've turned your phone off or even just put it on Do Not Disturb and you're sitting down, maybe watching TV, watching a movie, cooking dinner, but you just get this feeling, I need to check my phone. What, happened, what can we do to distract ourselves and get our train of thought away from that device? Yeah, it's a habit, isn't it? So, you know, we are creatures of habit and and around 40% of what we do every day is habit. So it really is a, a concerted effort to think about, well, you know, I need to check my phone is an interesting observation that we make. Do you really? Do you, you know, is there really going to be something sitting there that you're going to have to respond to right now? And, you know, in my life, the answer to that would be no. You know, it could, whatever it is, it can probably wait until probably even tomorrow morning, perhaps, you know, <laughs> so unless it's one of the kids. Um, so I think, you know, being aware of that, challenging it, having a place where you put your phone, where you put it away, maybe having some family rules around that, maybe having some expectations around, you know, if you're going out to a cafe, maybe you decide to put the phone away or it might be don't have it at the dinner table, maybe it's, you know, put it away before you go to bed because we also know and I think we haven't seen all the research that will emerge about the effects of mobile phones on our sleeping patterns as well but I'm sure when that research really starts to emerge we're going to find out that we need to be putting it away much earlier than we probably already do. We have heard a lot of uh, talk about blue light in particular our screens and causing us to or the creation of I believe melatonin the sleep hormone it delays the production of that and prevents us from sleeping so well it's you got to think about with, with using a mobile phone, that anxiety you get from looking at those messages and anticipating a message or even seeing those three little bubbles popping up when you're waiting for a message to come through, what is the cause behind that anxiety? Well, I think it's that apprehension and it's the unknown, isn't it? That, that We do know that for people that there's a little bit of what we call a dopamine effect, you know, which is our pleasure-seeking um, hormone that we, that, that we experience that whenever we engage in activities. So it's not unusual if you put a post up on social media and then you get lots of likes, you're getting lots of hits of dopamine. So it's almost that anticipation. So the reverse is true. So if I, if I send a message out to you, Jono, and we're backwards and forwards in our conversation, and then I don't know, but you get busy and then you don't reply, and I'm suddenly, I think the phrase my children use is left hanging. Um, and, um, and you wonder what's going on or you see the, the dots start to come and then they disappear. Or you get the read receipt on the text message. Someone's read the message and they haven't responded. Well, what could that mean? And we, and we overthink these things. And I think one of the things that's useful for people that you're regularly communicating with is if, if the style isn't working, then have a conversation with them. You know, you might need to say to your children, when I send you a text message, I need you just to message back so I know you received it. 
you know, because I know I've had that conversation with one of mine. Yeah, I, I know you messaged me, Mum, I read it. And I go, but I don't know you read it. So I just need, so you have that conversation and you, and you say what you need. And I think that's a good lesson for us with all of our communications, expressing what we need to other people because they're not mind readers and they won't necessarily know. No, certainly. And with being a parent, there's a whole different level of anxiety that goes along with having children. There is, and children <laughs> and mobile phones. So that's probably a, a chat for another day, I would imagine. Certainly. is some fantastic advice there. Very good advice there, Dr. Joe. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. That is Dr. Jo Lukens, and she is a psychology consultant and author. Well, there's been some very sad news.